we have been uh, studying on consecration, and we're going to continue it uh, this this morning, this Saturday, not this Saturday, Sunday morning. Amen. I don't know where my brain has gone. Here it is. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Are there some things you would like God to do? Amen. Uh, I'm just greedy that way. There's some things I would like God to do. Some more things I would like God. He's done some amazing things already. But there's some more things I was praying this morning. And, you know, my flesh was thinking of all the things that uh, need to be done. And uh, I said, Lord, how are we going to do all of this? You know, I was being like Moses. I was trying to make excuses. But you know what? God's got this. Hallelujah. He's got this. Amen. He's got this. This, this week, we're going to focus on, on the atmosphere. Your atmosphere really determines a lot about your attitude and your altitude, right? When your atmosphere stinks, it's hard to be in consecration. And so we're going to focus this week on atmosphere and how we can cleanse our atmosphere. If you go into a room that's a bit uh, musty, the first thing you want to do is well. Open the windows, right? Let some fresh air blow in. And we're going to look at that in a spiritual context this morning, how we can let fresh air blow in because our atmosphere really determines our altitude. It also determines what we, what we can do. You know, the atmosphere of a place that Jesus went into was of unbelief. He went into one place and the atmosphere was unbelief. And the Bible said he could not do Many works there. Why? Because the atmosphere was one of doubt, was one of fear. So what we want to do in consecration is to change our atmosphere. We need to open some windows. Let the fresh air of the Holy Spirit come on in. Amen. And I just want to show you that the devil, his, one of his main tactics is to, is to poison the atmosphere. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we wrestle... Not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in where? High places. In the Old Testament, it's all about pulling down the high places, changing the atmosphere. In in her exhortation this morning, Sister Joanne mentioned about Peter and how uh, he said, Satan, uh, Jesus said to Peter that Satan desires to sift you as wheat, as wheat. In the Old Testament, the places that they would go to separate the husk from the grain was a high place. They would build the threshing floors on high places because that's where the wind would come and pass through. And what they would do, they would take the wheat that had been harvested and they would throw it up and the wind would blow the lighter things away and the grain would fall to the ground. And that's what's called a threshing floor. So you find that in the Old Testament, the high places were a place where they would bring the harvest. It was a place where the wind could blow through and remove the things that they didn't want to keep, the, the, the husk and the, the chaff, and blow it away. Satan wants to do that with you. He wants to blow you away. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, the scripture that she quoted, it said, The Lord said to Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. That's what God is warning us in 2023. Behold, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. And to do that, he has to blow through. You know, storms are some of the most destructive things, right? Uh, When you have a storm, it can take off your roof. It can uh, blow down trees. It can cut your power. Storms can be very destructive. He's called the, the prince of the power of the air. And Satan wants to sift us as wheat. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, Sister Audrey was testifying about how she was attacked. And the way she talked to me and told me, it was nothing but a spiritual attack because this guy had no reason to complain. She said, look, I will, don't even bother about the bill. We'll take care of it. And he said he wanted to argue about that. So you know when someone is is being demonically inspired, when they have no reason, no reason whatsoever. You see, that's why we've got to be sensitive 
when we are out there because Satan's wind wants to come and blow us away just as he spoke to, to Peter here. But the amazing thing is that, you know, and I've said this before, Jesus didn't say, well, I'm going to stop him. No. He said, I pray, I will pray that your faith will not fail. God is not going to, in every case, stop the wind blowing. But if you're anchored, if you're planted, if you're rooted, amen, your faith will prevail. You have to understand, you have to see through what's happening. Sometimes we, we personalize it and we focus on the person and not realize you have to just step back and say, okay, I see what you're doing, devil. I understand what's happening here. It's not really this person or what they're saying so much. It's the spirit behind it. Amen. It says the spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan wants to blow us away. And if he can, he's going to try in 2023. You know, all of us have a soft spot. You know, there, you, there are certain things you can say to me, don't bother me in the least. But there's probably a certain thing you can say or a certain person can say that's going to hurt me. That's how he's going to come. He's going to use people even unconsciously, not even deliberately, because that's how he is. Peter tried to get Jesus not to go to Jerusalem. Jesus had to realize this wasn't even Peter. Where did this thought come from? He said, Satan. You understand that in this atmosphere that we're in, it's so easy to get blown away if you're not anchored, if you don't realize what's going on. Amen. If you don't, if you're not, take some time to stop and look around you and be aware of what's going on. Because I see all kinds of stuff happening this year. I really do. I see all kinds of stuff happening this year. I'm not going to, maybe I'll reserve it for a Tuesday night. Amen. The Bible says about Satan, he called, one of his titles is Baal-zebub, Lord of the air. Now that's a strange title. You would think that God uh, allowed him to be called that. In Luke eleven fifteen, but some of them said, he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And Beelzebub means Lord of the air or Lord of, of one who flies. Amen. Again, in Ephesians 2, 2, it's speaking about the nature of this being. It says, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. His, one of his main weapons is the atmosphere around you. See, you've got your Holy Ghost, right? But when you go out of here, when you go to work, when you go on the job, when you go around people, there's a different atmosphere, and you have got to be aware of that because that's where he works. The Bible says the spirit that now worketh in the what? The children of disobedience. I've said many times I'm not afraid of a disembodied spirit. But when that spirit gets inside someone who gives them dominion, then you have to be careful. Amen. Because Satan wants to corrupt your atmosphere. The sense of smell is one of our most important senses you know you find that when you when you lost your sense of smell food don't taste good right food i mean you didn't think about it but how much actually eating you're also smelling and in fact they found out that the sense of smell is one of the most direct routes to the nervous system of the brain inside your your nose there there's all these um uh, nerve endings that go directly to the brain. That's one of the things how they make people recover. They put some s smelling salts and it goes directly up there to the brain to jar the, the nervous system back uh, into consciousness. And so Satan realizes that spiritually, if he can pollute our atmosphere, he can, he can really wear us down. He can wear us down. And so today I want to focus on taking back control of the atmosphere, because there's so many references in Scripture to Satan as being uh, um, uh, that that's his place is the air and the atmosphere. It says the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, and the the the, the title Beelzebub, of course, Be Baal means Lord, and um, uh, Zebub means to fly or to flit. So the title is one who flies around. It's like someone just being busy. Bzz, bzz, bzz. All, all the way over trying to cause chaos, trying to, trying to change your atmosphere. You can go into a room and nobody say anything, and then suddenly you, you sense an atmosphere. 
It's like they went quiet when you walked into the room. <laughs> Who were they talking about? <laughs> you can sense an atmosphere. It's amazing, isn't it? That, that you can just walk into a room and suddenly you sense an atmosphere. And what I'm talking about, the same thing works when you come into the presence of the Lord. You can sense an atmosphere of worship. When people come into here, they should sense an atmosphere of worship, of welcome, of love. Amen? That's the atmosphere of, of the presence of the Lord, and that's what we, we want. And so we are going to look at how can we uh, change our atmosphere. Well, in the natural, you know, you, you throw open the windows, right? You turn on the fan. You know, if you've been cooking and that fried fish has got away from you, you start opening up the doors and, and opening up the windows, or if you burnt the toast, you know, there's some, there's some really strong smells that, that move us. You know, there's nothing like crisp bacon in the morning, and you can smell that in some coffee. <laughs> that'll, that'll tend to get you out of bed. Hmm, someone's cooking. You know, sudden it goes to, to your inner person. It starts to stimulate your, your hunger. If we can change the atmosphere spiritually, it will change the hunger for God. You know, they say you've got to wake up and smell the coffee. We have got to wake up and understand the times that we're living in. And if we can today set a table of praise and worship... You see, when, when Noah came out of the ark, you know what he did? He, he made an offering unto God. And you know what happened? The Bible says there arose a savor, an incense unto God. And God responded to the change in atmosphere. How was the change done? By an offering, by a consecration. And God then spoke to Noah and, and, and re removed some of the curse. That's what happened when you can change the atmosphere. And we can do that by an offering. The Bible said to, said to present ourselves what? A living sacrifice. When you came today, did you determine in your mind, Lord, I'm going to worship. I've got, I've got all kinds of stuff in my mind. There's all kinds of fears. But Lord, I want to change my atmosphere. I want to change my altitude. See, planes, before they take off, one of the things the pilots have to look at is the atmosphere. They have to look at the temperature specifically because the temperature tells them the density of the air. And that is very important for whether they can take off in a short runway or a long runway. They have to look at the air temperature, which tells them if they're going to be able to take off short or long, or maybe they have to uh, look at the weight of the plane. And many accidents have happened in air, air travel because the pilots made a mistake about the temperature. We want to have a hot temperature today. Amen. We want the spirit to warm us up. Amen. Because we want to make sure that Satan has no power. Amen. You see, he, he styles himself the prince of the power of the air. Amen. And we want to change the atmosphere. In the Old Testament, we see this repeatedly where they had to tear down the high places because they were places of pagan idolatry and worship. In fact, when they wanted to curse Israel, that's where uh, Balak took Balaam. He had to go up to a high place. See, he wanted to commune with the powers of the air. In Numbers twenty-two forty-one, and it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal. Did you notice that? He went to the place of Baal to try and curse Israel. See, you may not know it, but Satan is trying to curse you right now. He sees that you are, you are determined to serve him, and he's trying to always work a plot. How can we curse you? But you know what? You know what I made you say last week? I'm blessed and highly favored. And no weapon formed against a child of God can prosper. Now, that's not going to stop him trying. If he will so brazenly... Go and try and tempt Jesus. Now think about it. If the devil was brazen enough to go and try and tempt Jesus, don't think no matter how Holy Ghost filled you are, he's going to leave you alone. Therefore, you have to be armored up. You have to make sure that you've brought your pepper spray. <laughs> 
I got some pepper spray for a few of the young ladies here last week. I forgot to get some more today. But you need your spiritual pepper spray to change the atmosphere. See, that's what you need. You know, they have some bear spray and they have all kinds of stuff that is supposed to ward off some of these critters. You need the same thing with these demons. And that's why, that's why the word is spoken because it changes the atmosphere. Right? It's not just in your head. You can't change the atmosphere alone in your head. It'll, it might help you, but it's not going to change around you. You've got to, that's why Jesus said you've got to speak to this rock. You've got to speak to this mountain. When you do that, you are spraying something into the atmosphere that Satan hates. Amen. In Numbers and in the Old Testament, we see when they wanted to worship Baal, they went to the high places. They went up into the high places, and that's where the wind was. In Jeremiah 19, 5, it says, They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire. Such a terrible thing. They would sacrifice their children so as to gain power with the devil. In many ways, people are doing that today. They're sacrificing uh, their, their, their spiritual souls to get power or get money or get influence with the devil. It says, which I commanded not, nor spake it, neither came it into my mind. Three times in the book of Jeremiah, God speaks about that this thing was so shocking that it it was not something that he even imagined that, that people would do given free choice. It's amazing how far sin will take you. You know, you try just a little bit. Before you know it, it's taken you much further than you were prepared to deal with. And we see that in the Old Testament then, whenever Israel repented, the first thing they would do is destroy the high places. That's what we have to do today. Are there some high places that we haven't really thought of as high places that we're allowing Satan to have a place where he can camp out of around us? In our home, in our atmosphere, are there some high places? Amen. And they may not be things you think of, like... Normally, I'm a very avid book reader, but sometimes it can get distracting. It can, get, it can consume too much of my time. So this month, I've decided I'm not going to let that be a high place. And although I've been tempted a few times to start reading a book, I have not. Because I want to make sure I tear down some high places. I mean, it may be something that you've not even thought of, that it was consuming your time. We have to look at the high places because part of consecration is looking at the things in our lives and and removing anything that can be a stumbling block. In uh, 2 Kings, we see that happening. Once they decided to to consecrate, it said in 2 Kings 18, one night, it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. And he did that which was right. Wouldn't that be something? If God could say about us, and he did that which was right. She did that which was right. There's nothing better. There can be nothing better in this world than if the Bible says a man's ways please God. Wow. On my way driving in here, that's, that was my prayer. Lord, I want to be pleasing to you. I know that in and of myself, I'm nothing. I'm, a, I'm a, not a nice person. But Lord, I want you, your grace to cover me. I want to be found pleasing to you. Amen. The first thing that Hezekiah did, one of the first things he did to change the atmosphere at the beginning of his reign, verse 4, he removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. As part of consecration, we have to think, is there anything in our lives that is a high place that may be hindering God's full favor and blessing? Is there something that we are putting first? He cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent. Even something that God had commanded Moses to make, the brazen serpent, they had started worshiping that as a God to the point where Hezekiah had to destroy it because it had become. So sometimes something that God has given us for a blessing can take over, right? God may bless you with money, but then you, the money then becomes your God, becomes your high place. You can never get so enamored with anything, even if it came from God, that it 
substitutes for God. It becomes a high place. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent. Now, that might have been strange because this was something that God commanded Moses to make. And he did it. He lifted up the brazen serpent. When they looked at the object of representing their sin, they were healed. But over time, they began to look at the object as God instead of of just a symbol representing the sin. And so in the end, Hezekiah had to destroy something that even God had given him. We can get to that place where something that is good, we put so much stock and focus on it that we miss out on the giver. Amen? We miss out on the giver. For unto, unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and they even gave it, gave it a name. Isn't that sad that they missed the point of the whole thing? And Hezekiah had in the end to destroy it. We have to look at all the things in our lives that could be a high place that is corrupting our atmosphere. And you know, I bet there are places, there are things still. Look at this in Second Chronicles 29.3. He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Amen. We've had to do a lot of repairs of doors in this church, and I'm so glad for some of the men, Brother Joe and and Brother Tim, who have helped repair some of the doors. Amen. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the East Street. And he said unto them, Hear me, Levites, sanctify now yourselves. That's another part of consecration. Separate yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. This place had been shut. No doubt it had cobwebs. No doubt it had dust. No doubt it had fallen into disrepair. But part of consecration is, is, is renewing the temple. Knowing not that you are the temple. Amen. You know what that verse goes on to say? That if we don't take care of the temple, what does it say? If we don't have, that's right. He will destroy it. Now that's very harsh, but that's not my word. We can't we can tear that page out, but it won't change what God said. We have to make sure that we don't have idols in our temple of any kind, and it can be so easy and so simple. Now we see that in the in the Old Testament, as I said, when a godly king came to reign, one of the first things he did was to try and change the atmosphere because they were burning animals on these high places to Baal. I'm sure, I'm sure the, the atmosphere was terrible. I'm sure the atmosphere was terrible. And they would destroy all these high places. In the New Testament, we see something similar. And I want to kind of step back a little bit and, and take this slowly here. In Mark 15, 8, near to the time when Jesus was going to be arrested and going to be crucified, we read this. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. They wanted a sign. They wanted something spectacular uh, to happen. Uh, When Jesus had been arrested, they wanted him to somehow miraculously escape. And they wanted uh, uh, Pilate to crucify him. And they began to desire him as he would do to them, ever done unto them. So once a year the Romans would release someone that they had arrested. But Pilate answered them saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. Now, you notice what he said to release the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. That's what Pilate called him. And they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more, crucify him. Now then Jesus said something really interesting uh, just before that. He said, the prince of this world cometh, but he what? Hath nothing in me. Now I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, so let's see where the scripture goes. One of the things we see about the atmosphere is that you have to take authority. You have to take authority. You can't let Satan 
run roughshod over you. Amen? You have to take authority. And even, even after Jesus was crucified, and I'm going to get back to, to what Pilate said there. Even when Jesus was crucified, that, well, we'll just read it. First Peter 3.18 For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That means made alive by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached, in other words, proclaimed unto the spirits in prison. Psalm 68, 18. Now, what did he proclaim? Let's read Psalm 68, 18. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Now, I want you to remember these scriptures because I'm going somewhere with this. One of the things that we don't do is really take authority about our atmosphere, right? Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm at work, and maybe not everyone can do that, you know, they may not like me playing my music, but I do. I do. I, I play my music. Now, sometimes uh, they will, you know, they'll drop a, a word here and there, you know, one of those F-bombs. I just, I just tune it out, turn up my music, put on my headphone, and let them have their atmosphere. I'm going to make sure that my atmosphere is different. I'm sure... Now, some of them know that I'm a pastor, but some of them, not every single person, I don't just go and say, hello, I'm a pastor. No. <laughs> no, I, I want them to notice something different of their own self. I want them to notice, you know what? I've never heard him curse. I've never heard him get so mad. You know, we need to set the atmosphere around us. You can't control somebody else's attitude. But you can control, to some extent, your own attitude. You can determine your atmosphere. See, Jesus, even when he went to the, to the grave, even when he went into the earth, you know what he did? He took control. He took control even in hell, is what I'm trying to say. Matthew 28, 18, And Jesus came and spake unto him, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, going back to what Pilate said, after the people said that, he went to Jesus and said, Hey, do you know I have the power <laughs> to put you to death or to let, set you go? Jesus told him, Listen, you had no power unless it was given to you. And he said, Listen, my kingdom is not of this earth. And really, he said, it was a, it was a, a, a pause there. He says, Not now. Otherwise, my servants would fight for me. But we, right now the Bible says, have power. They were only commanded to wait until the day of Pentecost. Wait until you be endued with power. Amen? And we're going to get to that. They were told to wait until they be endued with power. I remember someone inviting us to their home and uh, to pray for, pray for someone in the house. And the person just would not come close to us. They ran up and wouldn't, wouldn't come out. I don't know if, uh, what the whole reason is. They, they didn't want no Holy Ghost near them. That's for sure. Amen. We prayed in the house, uh, but they locked the door, wouldn't let us pray for them. I'm telling you, we can take authority. We do not have to let Satan scare us. See, the first thing you have to do, and, and you've heard probably many messages on that, is bind. 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 Colossians 2.15, here's how Jesus did it. He says, and having spoiled, in other words, disarmed. In the old uh, English, when you spoil something, means you took away their stuff. You took away their stuff. Jesus took away Satan's stuff. Did you know that? Satan has no stuff. The only thing he has is deceit. If he can fool you, right? That's all he, he has, no power over someone who is a Holy Ghost-filled child of God. And have it, because otherwise Jesus would be a liar, right? Didn't Jesus in the, in the, let me go back, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. So either Jesus is telling the truth or he's not. If Jesus is telling the truth, then all power means all power. It doesn't mean some power. It means all power. 
You know, I've likened it many times to, to when uh, someone is being evicted, right? And the, the sheriff comes and they serve the notice and they put a stuff on the door and maybe they might put labels all around the house. The person's still in the house, but they have no power to be in there. And there's coming a day when Jesus is coming to actually evict them, put their stuff on the street. Amen. Satan is still in the house, but he has no power. Jesus said that all power. Now, why is it we don't see that? Why don't we feel that way? Well, Hebrews tells us that it says he put all things under his feet, but yet we don't see it because it is spiritually discerned. And you have to walk in faith because faith is what? Substance of things. The evidence of things not seen. Remember what I preached the message that's about things not seen? We don't see it yet. But Hebrews tells us that all things have been put under his feet. Now the question is, do you believe it? If you want to change the atmosphere, you have to first bind. Bind the atmosphere. That's why I pray in here all the time, Lord, bind the atmosphere around here. Bind the atmosphere around here. Let our, let our incense, let our prayers arise just like Noah's. Amen. That they will be a sweet savor. Let me go on. It says, and having spoiled, disarmed principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. He, he, he embarrassed Satan. He went down to his place and, and, and opened all the doors, let out all the prisoners, and walked out, back out. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He said, I came to release the prisoners. In Isaiah, um, in, 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 uh, in Luke, when he came and he was given the scroll from Isaiah, and he, he read, it says, it says he came to release the prisoners, to let go the captives, to bind up the brokenhearted. He led captivity captive. You see, in olden days, when the Romans uh, destroyed an army, they would bring all the prisoners to Rome and they'd have what they call a triumph. A triumph was a procession. They would line up all the prisoners in chains and the general who, who won the victory would be in a, a chariot and he would lead all the people, all of the prisoners through. They would call that a triumph. And all, the, all of the citizens of Rome, you know, would throw things at the, at the and, and, and a shame. That's what, that's what happened to Satan. Jesus destroyed his base. But he's got us so in fear. And so cowed and so afraid that he still has power. He only has lies. But if you will believe a lie, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. So what the first thing we have to do in, in changing the atmosphere is to bind the strong man. That is, first bind the strong man, then you can disarm his house. Amen. Let's look at this a little bit more. In Colossians it says... What Jesus did, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. See, Satan is called the accuser. He's, he's there telling all the stuff that we did and wanting God to destroy us. But when Jesus died, he blotted it out. You can't read it anymore. You know, sometimes the government has to release stuff they don't want to release. And uh, through a Freedom of Information uh, Act. Uh, but some of the stuff they're allowed to blot out like names. So you can read all the stuff, but you can't tell who's it, whose it is. Satan can read it all day, but my name has been blotted out. <laughs> Your name has been blotted out. See, that's the beginning of changing the atmospheres. We have to bind the strong man. Amen. We have to bind the strong man. It says he canceled the record of the charges. This is in a modern translation. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. The problem with us most of the time is Satan comes and tells us all the stuff we did, which is true. He's not telling a lie. He'll, he'll tell you all the stuff you did. What he's not telling you is that Jesus already forgave you. Who shall lay a charge to God's elect? It is God. So if it didn't come from God, you can just let it go through one ear and come out the other. Change your atmosphere. Again, that doesn't mean you have a license to sin now. That's not a, not a license to do anything you want. But the stuff that you have given to God, the stuff you have repented of, you have to let it go. Now I'm speaking to myself. I'm talking because sometimes stuff that I did in my teens, which was 50 years ago, 
will come back and say, look at what you did there. You, you really, you really, and I just have to really tell the devil, go away, Satan, you're a liar. I have to bind him. Amen. Because he will bring in all kinds of stuff. Now, I want to show you, and I'm going to wrap this up soon. I want to show you how this is done. Because when Jesus came to Jerusalem for the last time, when he came in on the last time, three days before he was arrested, he came in on Palm Sunday. And what were the children saying? There was a huge crowds. This was the first time that Jesus allowed himself to be presented as the Messiah. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling all of these prophecies that were written hundreds of years before that he would ride in on a donkey. And they took down the palm leaves and put it before him and their clothing and they said, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And they lauded him as the Messiah. Now, that was one atmosphere, right? About three or four days later, they had arrested him. And who to tell some of the same people, the atmosphere had changed. Isn't it amazing that, you know, the people just before Christmas, as I said, are all your best friends? How are you doing? Come on. And then by, by the time you went back this January the 2nd or the 3rd, you know, everybody, as I said, Tuesday night, going around with a mean mug, right? You know. <laughs> They're not your friend anymore. The atmosphere has changed. Maybe the spirits, the ones you drink, changed the atmosphere before Christmas. The atmosphere was changed. Was changed. So we see now that this huge crowd suddenly, and going back to what I read, remember they, they, they wanted him to be crucified. Thousands of people now wanted him to be crucified. The Bible makes it plain that Pilate was trying to figure a way to not have to do this. And he was going to do it till they, they dropped the last ace in the hole. But saying, Caesar will hear about how you let this guy go. And that, that, that sealed the deal. Sealed the deal. So we have this, this horrible atmosphere of hate. And, and people wanting Jesus killed. And he was put to death. And the disciples were so afraid that after that, after he was killed, even after he resurrected, they hid themselves away. They hid in the upper room. They, they prayed and they fasted, but they kept to themselves. The atmosphere was still terrible around Jerusalem. And so what is shocking to me is that on the day of Pentecost, here comes the Holy Spirit, but then there seems to be a change of atmosphere because on that same day, 3,000 people changed and made a commitment. Now, how did that happen? Because all of us have heard great oratory, great preachers, right? Great sermons. And you go to Acts 2.38, and you can say it in about two minutes. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of yours. And it was just a simple message. And the Bible said something must have happened because the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. Something happened to change the atmosphere. And this is how revival happens. This is how consecration happens. There's got to be a change in the atmosphere. Let's look at this very carefully. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And you know what God then did to change the atmosphere? He opened the windows of heaven. Remember what I said to blow out the stink? <laughs> You're going to have to open the windows, open the door. The first thing that happened there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled. Now when it says filled, that means there's no more room. Whatever atmosphere was in Jerusalem was gone. Because I, I just believe, I visualize it in my mind, that about 20,000 angels came down. You know, it's like the military when they're taking over a town. They send in a force and they secure the perimeter. And in my mind's eye, I just see that. I see, I see about 20,000 angels, maybe even just one angel, because that's all was needed, come down. And a perimeter was secured around Jerusalem. 
And then the wind of the Holy Spirit cleared out all the demons. And so people's hearts were then free to really listen. To really, this is what happened. Then suddenly there came a sound from heaven. God decided he's going to clear out the atmosphere. Because for there to be consecration and revival, as I said, the atmosphere has got to be changed. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. But it didn't stop there. Because this wind was such, such a, a commotion. It said, and it was noised abroad. That means it didn't just stay in the house. It, it created a commotion so that it went all around Jerusalem and created a disturbance. This is telling you that there was a clearing out of the spiritual atmosphere. Amen. And we see that this then allowed for there to be revival. That Just a simple message. Just the fact that he said, listen, this is Jesus. He was the Messiah you were looking for. And you guys crucified him. Now, the day before that, they'd have stoned Peter to death. They'd have killed them straight away. But the the atmosphere had changed. When there's a change in atmosphere, then God can work. The Holy Spirit just made a complete change. That's what I'd love to happen in Milwaukee. Don't we need a change of atmosphere? Every night on the news, you see some, some young people get shot, some, some car crash, some, some police chase, some three or four deaths nearly every. We need a change of atmosphere. And it can happen. And it filled all the house where were, they were sitting. There's something about the wind and the atmosphere. And that's why the Holy Spirit is called the ruach, the breath. In fact, it was the atmospheric breath from God in Genesis that did what? Brought life. And God breathed. And man became. a li- That's what we need. We need the breath of God to blow through this church. Blow through this block. Blow through Milwaukee. It happened before though. In the Old Testament. Ezekiel was brought and he saw this valley of dead bones. It looked impossible. You look at Milwaukee and think, I heard on the news they were trying to get all these committees and all these groups together to, 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 you know, get rid of the violence and come up with plans and programs. It looks impossible. It looks like, what could they possibly do that's going to change things in this city? Ezekiel was brought to this valley and he saw this whole valley full of dead bones and skin and stuff. And God asked him a question. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel was just scratching his head. Well, I don't know. Thou knowest God. You know what he was told to do? Change the atmosphere. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord of God. That's what we got to do. We got to take authority over the atmosphere at our workplace, at our school, at our church. And we got to say, Lord, you take control. You bring in that wind of the Holy Spirit. Breathe upon us. Come from the four winds. Oh, breathe and breathe upon, oh, breath and breathe upon us, these slain, that they may live. Isn't that what Jesus did before he left his disciples? The Bible said he breathed on them. (laughs) Receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's what we need to change our atmosphere. No matter how down and depressed and the things you're dealing with, your atmosphere can be changed if you get a breath from God today. So I prophesied as he commanded. And breath came into them. See, God deals with the impossible. Peter been fishing all night. Not a single fish. But when God says, cast the net, you cast the net. Nevertheless, Lord, no matter how impossible, we want to see revival this year in our church. Not because we want numbers, but because we love people. There is a terrible time coming up on this planet. The Bible says there's going to be a time such as never was. And when you think of the history of mankind and how many wars and and, and terrible things, if there's still yet a time ahead that's going to be worse than that, would you want your worst enemy to go through that? We are called to save people because 
you know, if, if, if you were, if you were on, on I-94 in a snowstorm and it was a wide out and there was a whole pile of cars piled up, you would get out and you'd be running down the road and you'd, try, you'd be trying to stop people piling in. You'd try to, you would act crazy. They can thank you later. They'd understand later why you were acting so crazy because you were trying to save their life. Ezekiel didn't understand. He didn't know how this was possible. All he knew that if there was a change of atmosphere... So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came in, and they stood up an exceedingly great army. See, that wind brought life. That's what we need around us for consecration. We've got to change the atmosphere. Amen. You see, Revelation 7, 1 speaks about, and after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor on any tree until he goes on to say we had sealed the servants of our God. There is a cleansing atmosphere that allows people to draw near. Just as on the day of Pentecost, where probably a good, I would say, I'm guessing now, 50% of those people were the same people only 50 days before that were saying crucify him. The only way that could have happened where people change like that is there was a change of atmosphere. When there's a change of atmosphere, miracles can happen. When there's a change of atmosphere, faith can arise. When there's a change of atmosphere, you can draw near to God and it won't be such a fight. When the atmosphere is wicked and evil, it's a fight. You're just, you're just under pressure all the time. And that's what we are doing this last two weeks. We want to draw in. We want the atmosphere of worship. We want the atmosphere of praise. Amen. It says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day, you know, it doesn't have to be some deep theological message. It just has to be, do you know that there is a God, he's real and he loves you? That there is coming a judgment on this planet that you can escape that you don't have to be judged on your past and what you ever did. That God, it's as simple as that. But if the atmosphere is changed, you can win people. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and, and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You see, God is coming back and he's going to take away that atmospheric kingdom. It's prophesied in Isaiah 24, 21. It shall come to pass in that day the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones. That are on high. And the kings of the earth upon the earth. So how do we cleanse the atmosphere? And I'm finishing up. How do we do that? How do we make sure that our atmosphere is cleansed so that we can minister? Well, first thing, we have to be separate. We can't participate in everything that everyone else is doing. We have to be separate. Second Corinthians six seventeen. Wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We have to be ready to confess our faults. We have to be ready to make confession. The first thing that they said is, uh, men and brethren, what shall we do? They didn't say we didn't crucify him. Because I'm telling you, some of those same people were the ones that threw the rocks and wanted him crucified. Here's what First John 1, this is how we change our atmosphere. We confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So be separate, confession, and then recommit, rededicate. Recommit our hearts to our God. Psalms thirty-four, eighteen says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as of a contrite heart. If you could stand with me. And then we're going to worship. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Enter in his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That's how we change that. We start to speak words of worship, words of thanksgiving, words of praise to the king of kings. That, that, Satan hates that. He can't stand when you start worshiping God. He can't stand that. Amen. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. I have so much to be thankful for. He is so merciful and, 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 and gracious to me. 
A transformed atmosphere will lead to a transformed nature. Amen. And it's, it's a, prog- a, a progression. It may not be instant. We see in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all with open face, beholding as a glass the glory of God. In fact, I'm going to jump down to verse the, the new translation so I make it clear. It says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him. It's a, it's a, it's a prog- progression. We may not be able to cleanse the atmosphere immediately. It takes a while for that wind to blow through and clean out some stuff. But if we start, if we open the windows of heaven, amen. Before Noah came out of the ark, the first thing he had to do was open the window. Signifying a change in atmosphere. That's why, you know, when the atmosphere is changed, that's where we're going to meet him. For the Lord himself shall descend from him. You notice we don't meet him on earth. We meet him in the air. That's where I want to meet him because the atmosphere has changed. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In the air. Hallelujah. We need to make sure in the next two weeks that we we open some windows, spiritual windows. Let the Holy Spirit blow through. Amen. To change our atmosphere so we can be soul winners. That God can move through us. Amen. That we can have his blessing and his favor. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me, Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, that you have begun to change the atmosphere around us, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. We ask for your Holy Spirit, for your mighty wind to blow through. Breathe upon us today. Hallelujah. We ask, oh God, as we utter words of worship, as we lift up your name, Lord God, the atmosphere will be changed. Lord, that we can draw close, Lord God, that we will be an influence to others, Lord Jesus. We thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. Hallelujah. Lord, bless everyone in the sound of my voice, Lord God. Bless our second service. Let your words and our praise, Lord God, meet, Lord Jesus, as we stand upon your promises. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering this morning.